going to be sharing what's a part four in a Christmas series that we've been doing, uh, just calling it Christmas Cast, uh, Christmas Characters, taking a look at some of the different uh, major characters uh, that, that are involved in the Christmas narrative. And of course, today, uh, we're going to talk about the center of what the Christmas story is all about. We're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, big shocker, right, that we're coming and talking about Jesus this Christmas season, right? But, but that's who we're going to focus in on. And, uh, you, you know, church... When we get down to it, the Christmas story, I mean, it's, it's jaw-dropping. It's awe-inspiring when we think about just what has happened uh, in, in, in what we celebrate at Christmas. And um, we're, we're going to try to unpack a little bit of that here uh, today. But when we see the, the manger, we're reminded that Jesus, the, the eternally existing Right, we sang today, praise Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the eternally existing second member of the Trinity, you know, lays aside certain of his attributes as God so that he could become a man and die for sinners. You know, to, and not only to come to earth as, as a human, but to be born as a baby. And, and then not only to be born as a baby, but to not be born in a palace, but to be born in a manger, to be born in a stable. So let's look at the words of the angel who visited the shepherds on that first Christmas night, the, the hillside of, of Judea. And we find in this the true glory of Christmas. And we're going to try to you know, reflect on some of this here for the next few minutes. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, or depending on which version you're looking at, he is the Christ, the Lord. Messiah, Christ, mean, you know, same, same meaning, same word. Uh, as we look at this baby in the manger, you, you know, when a baby is on his way or her way, one of the joys that the parents have is the naming of that child, right? To think of the name of that baby. And, you know, some names, oh, let's just say they're different, right? Some parents come up with some names and we say, well, that's different. You know, others come along and we say, hey, well, well, that's unique. You know, others, uh, the, the parents will choose the name for their child in order to honor someone. You know, like my name is James and that's after my grandfather, my mother's father was James. You know, sometimes it's to honor somebody that that person or that couple, you know, has just meant a lot to them or they see as a hero. Other times, it's just as simple as the parents will come along and say, well, I like that name. I just like the name. And so we're going to name our, our child after that name. But, you know, in, in the Bible, names have great, great significance. Uh, and the name often describes something about the person. For instance, Abraham is translated father of a multitude. And David means beloved. And then, you know, the most important names in the Bible are the names where uh, God describes himself. And, and I want us to take note today that, you know, the names of God that we see in the Bible, in other words, these compound names, you know, uh, we'll see in the Bible, God will say, I am Jehovah Nisi, I'll Jehovah Rapha, you know, these different names. They aren't names where somebody looked at the activity of God and said, you know what, I think I'll call God this, or I think I'll call God that. 
Instead, it's God saying, I want to show myself to you. I want to reveal who I am. And so, you know, Jehovah, you know, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals you. You know, Jehovah Nisi, I am the Lord, your banner. You know, raised up that banner when we, when we go to war. He's, he's our banner. Moses says, okay, he's talking to, you know, this God experience with the burning bush. And God says, go to Egypt, go to Pharaoh. And he says, well, who should I say is sending me? And he says, tell him I am has sent you. And really, in our English language, it's better, I was, I am, and I will be is the one who's sending you. How many know that, that you know, when, when Pharaoh hears, you know, hey, I've got some news for you, and it's from the one who was and is and ever will be. You know, that, that's an attention getter, you know. And God, how many are grateful to know God isn't looking to hide himself from us? He isn't looking to hide his nature and how he is. And, and he's so faithful through the word to reveal himself. And, and as we look at, at Jesus Christ this morning, let's look at some of uh, God's revelation to us in the names and the titles that we see for Jesus. He's given many names in the Bible, but we're just going to look at a handful of these today. So let's start with the first, the obvious, you, you know, the one that we say all the time. Let's look at the name Jesus. And the name Jesus is the name that identifies him with the very people he came to save. Jesus was all God and all man. Uh, you know, that's something that our natural thinking, our natural understanding can't get our hands around. He wasn't half God and half man. He wasn't a man that became God or, or God and then man as, you know, uh, you know, people would get into errors on things on that. But the Bible makes it clear. He makes it clear. Fully God and fully man. And, and uh, just, just, again, get this picture when we look at this wonder of, of Christmas. The Lord of all glory came into this world not as a king but as a humble servant. And he wasn't born, as we said earlier, in a palace or anything like that, but in a manger. In Philippians chapter 2, shares a little bit more of this picture. Jesus came as a servant, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one whose name is above every name, came to serve and identify with the creation that, that he created. It says in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, uh, so, so Paul is giving instruction here, and, and uh, this is the Holy Spirit through Paul, and, and explains some, some of what this meant on, on what Jesus did. It says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. So we, we can recognize this Christmas, Jesus understood poverty. He understood weariness and hunger and rejection and loneliness and temptation and all the rest of the trials that come with the human condition. Jesus identifies with all of these. We, we don't serve a God uh, who, who can't relate to what we've went through. Jesus literally walked through it as well. And he endured all of this so that he might identify himself with us, understand, and then be able to comfort us in our trials. Hey, can I ask a question? Have you had any trials in 2020? Jesus can identify. Jesus has identified. Jesus has, has walked it through. Hebrews 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And his name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And the word salvation tells us exactly what Jesus came into the world to accomplish. Let's look at Matthew 1, verse 21. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And, and when we look at this word save, it means to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. So when we see danger around us, when we see reports and worries and, and angst about the future and destruction and all of this stuff, he came in this world to rescue, to save, and to keep you safe. Isn't that good news this Christmas time? Amen. And we look at all that's, that's good about Jesus. He came into the world for this purpose, to die on the cross for sinners. And so, you know, I look around the room, some of you I don't know super well, some of you I've known for a while, you know, I've been in, in Christ, I've been walking with the Lord for a while, and when I first came to him, the, the, the awareness that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, I don't know how it was for you, but it was overwhelming for me. And Jesus even reminds the church in, in Revelation, don't lose your first love. Don't lose sight of that, that first sense of love and awe and wonder when we first came uh, to know him as Lord and Savior because there are still so many in the world that haven't met him as Savior and as Lord that need to know him as Lord and Savior, right? We want to remember this Christmas season, not only, oh, thank God for what you did for me, Jesus, you came to die on a cross for sinners. You took this sinner and because of what you did, you made him a saint, and around this room, he took sinners, and because of what he did on the cross, he made you saints. And there are a whole bunch of sinners in the world that he wants to meet him so he can make them saints. He already did the work, but now it's up for each individual to decide what they'll do with it. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Jesus. He's also Emmanuel. From the Hebrew words, Emmanuel, meaning with us, and El, meaning God, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1, and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus means Jehovah saves, but he's more than announcing Jehovah saves. Jesus is God with us. 100% God, 100% man. Thousands of babies were born into the world that same year, but only one would be savior of the whole world. Only one could save a lost soul. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Humanity has fallen into a deep pit of sin. And he lies there perishing. And many would-be saviors would come by and come down the road and, and give their advice. The legalist would say to the, to the person in the pit, well, you shouldn't fall into pits. And the religionist would say, well, I can tell you how to get out of the pit and avoid other pits in the future. The pessimist would say, you're going to die in that pit. The optimist would say, hey, I've seen worse pits than that. The realist would say, hey, you need to just accept your pit. 
The spiritualist says, oh, there's no pit. But you know what? Jesus comes along and says, I'll get into the pit with you and carry you out of the pit. That's Emmanuel, God with us. And praise God, that's exactly what he did for you and for me. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand and he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. He's Jesus, he's Emmanuel, but he's also Savior, Jesus Savior. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 2 again in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, as Savior, Jesus provides three essential things to the sinner. Number one, we are accepted in him. We are accepted in Jesus Ephesians 1.6 tells us uh, it's to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We're no longer orphans. We're, we're no longer stray and, and, and distanced from God, but we have been accepted in Christ, in the beloved. Number two, we're delivered in Jesus. Delivered from what? We're, we're delivered from sin's penalty, sin's power, and sin's presence. I, I want you to think about that for a moment. We have been completely delivered from the penalty of sin. When that day comes, when we stand before God face to face, with, with, with no merit on our own to, to, to have stood against sin, it's going to be the blood of Jesus in our lives that's going to make the Father say, you are accepted, you are received, your payment has been made in full. Remember, God has revealed to us in his word who he is. And, and he, he, he says that as God Almighty, he is perfectly righteous and perfectly holy and perfectly just. And so because of that, God can't fellowship with sin. God can't relate with sin. God can't wink at sin. But God is also perfectly loving, perfectly merciful, and perfectly gracious. And that's why Jesus came. And so the fully righteous, just God, when he looks at us who cannot save ourselves, he sees Jesus when, he, when we've made Jesus Lord of our lives. And so we're delivered from sin's penalty. Not only that, but we're delivered from the power of sin. It tells us in the word, sin no longer has dominion over us because of what Jesus has done in our lives. And how about just the presence of sin? We're delivered from its presence, from its torment, from its burden, from its pressing, from its bullying. We've been delivered from all those things. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things like gold and silver that we were redeemed from the empty way of life that was handed down from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It was that precious blood of Jesus that has totally delivered us from sin's penalty and power and presence. The third thing that he has done for sinners as Savior, we are preserved in him. Those whom Jesus saves are forever saved. 
right? So we, we look around and we see the world and all we have to do is turn on the wonderful news network who wants to say to us, hey, if you think this is bad, well, let's tell you some more bad news, right? That, that's, that's, that's how newscasters make their living. Jesus wants us to know no matter what's going on out there, nothing is going to pull us out of his hands. We, he has saved us and he will keep us in his hands until we at last see him face to face. John 6, 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. When we turn to him, he holds us securely in his hands. So he is Jesus, Jehovah saves, he is Emmanuel, God with us, he is Savior, and he saves us from sin and the penalty and punishment of sin, but you want to know what? He's also Christ. And, you know, back in the day, I used to think that was his last name, Jesus Christ. But it's not a name, it's a title. It's, it's Christ or Messiah. It's different translations of the, of the same word. Luke 2.11, again, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the name Christ, the title Christ, refers, refers to Jesus as the anointed high priest. So in this ministry, he addresses the Father on our behalf. And he does this in two major ways. First, he, uh, he talks to the Father on our behalf. So that's Hebrews 7.25. says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Isn't that, isn't that good to know? He didn't say save yourself completely. Mercy. We couldn't do that on our best day. But he is able to save us completely uh, through, uh, through Christ because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus, his present day ministry, how many know he is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us? He is, he is standing in the gap on our behalf. And the second thing he does, he pleads our case before the throne of God. So 1 John 2 uh, verse 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So it's Jesus on our behalf standing before the Father. That, that's so awesome to know that's his ministry as the Christ, the anointed one. But you know what? He's also called Lord. We just read it. Let's look at it again in Luke 2, 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And when the angel called Jesus Lord, he was referring to the one who was to be in absolute control. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He does have the name that is above every name. He has the name at which every other thing named under heaven has to bow. And every other thing, person named under heaven will bow to the name above all names because he is Lord. He has dominion over everything. When the angel called Jesus Lord, he was referring to the one who was to be in absolute control. And so this title Lord is a reminder to every Christian that Jesus Christ is to be the absolute authority in our lives. And there's, there's lots of other things that are trying to have influence and sway and authority in our lives. But Jesus is to be absolute authority. You know, we were singing about the freedom that we have because of him, the freedom that we have in him. 
Hey, can I just ask, watching online, you know, here in the sanctuary, is there anybody here today who would say, I have tasted of the freedom that Christ brings, and it's something different than the world could ever offer on its best day. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's heart-wrenching when we look at, at a world, a culture, a society that is working so hard to fight for freedom on a level and a scale that basically decimes, de, um, defines freedom as I have whatever I want that I think will make me happy, that's freedom. And, and, and that's, that's church. That, that's a demonic, Amen. twisted definition of freedom. The one who authored and designed freedom, the one who authored and designed you and me, has a little bit different of a picture. And, and, and it actually, it's a paradox. Because the Lord says, it's only as you make me Lord of your life, Jesus says, that you will discover and tap into the true freedom that I have provided for you. Right? So, so it's this picture in the world where people will say, no, I'll fight hard. I want what I want, my way for me, and nobody can tell me otherwise. And the Lord says, I want you to let me tell you otherwise. Not religion, not, not other people, but the Lord as he shows himself to us by his names, by his precepts, in his word, as he says there's a way to walk in, right? The, the, the word tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There are so many people that are saying, I want my way, and it's a road to death. But Jesus says if you will take that leap of faith, and you will trust me and surrender your life to me. Not only let me save you, but let me then be Lord of your life. You'll taste the freedom like the world can't give. That's what's, what's all encapsulated in Jesus being Lord. So, so this title is a reminder that, that he's saying, I want all authority in your life. He's saying, I gave you everything and I want everything. I, I, want, I want you to trust me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it this way for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we know the will of God? How do we walk in the will of God? When we make this decision to say, Lord, as you live in my heart, as you live in my life, I'm a living sacrifice for you. You know, it's worded this way where Jesus says, hey, uh, if we're going to follow after him, we have to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow him. And that's part of that, that saying, it's no longer me. It's no longer my lordship that's calling the shots. I'm going to let him call the shots. And then what happens as we do that? It looks less and less like us and that fallen nature. And we look more and more like him. You know, that's what they saw when they looked at the disciples in the book of Acts. It says they could tell after talking to these guys, they could tell they had been with Jesus. Oh God, may we be delivered from being religious people. But may the world look and say, man, they've been with Jesus. Yeah. 
right? Because he's living on the inside, transforming what we look like in the way we live till they start saying, there's something different. There's something, it, it's not just you're a church goer. It's not that you, you have this religious thing going on, but man, there's something different because Jesus is being lived out in your life. And then as we walk this out saying, Jesus, you're Lord over everything. You call the shots. What's your thought on the matter? How do you feel about this? What is the way you say I should live my life? Then we're walking in this freedom, and then when it comes to knowing his will, we'll know his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will for our lives. So, hey, it's a pretty high calling. The Lord says, hey, I don't want much, just everything. (laughs) And when it comes to our lives, he wants the only thing that matters. He says, everything else is mine. He said, but I want your heart, but I want you to give it willingly. I want it to be out of relationship, out of trust. Lord, I realize I can't save me. I can't deliver me. My pursuit of freedom and, and a, a pleasing life, a fulfilling life on my terms is a train wreck. So Lord, I surrender it to you. And I ask, I give you my heart. And I ask Jesus, not only be Savior, but be Lord of my life. And then God's promise is he comes to live on the inside by his Holy Spirit. So pretty cool. His spirit is inside us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father as advocate and intercessor. And then we walk through this life knowing that he wants to live his mission through us. That he came to save sinners. He came to bring hope where there's darkness, where there's hopelessness, where there's brokenness all around us. So, hey, he's the word. He's the son of David. He's the son of man and the son of God. He is the rock, the good shepherd. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. And you know, oftentimes we quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But you know, John 3.17 is pretty big as well. For God not, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it through him. He sent Jesus to save the world. God so loved people that he sent Jesus, not to condemn, but to save the world through him. That's who Jesus is. That's the Jesus that we celebrate this Christmas season. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Glory to you, Lord. So church, as we wind up today, as Savior, he's worthy of our worship. As Christ, he's worthy of our dependence. As Lord, he's worthy of our obedience. As Jesus, he's worthy of all that we can give to him. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Hey, why don't we close things in prayer today? And and as we pray uh, for for our own response to this, let's also pray. uh, Maybe there'll be particular loved ones, friends, people that you care about to come to mind. Let's pray that this Jesus would be real to them this Christmas season. Amen. So Father, as we close this service and this time here today, we thank you so much for your great love for the world. You so love the world that you gave your one and only son. And Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are and for what you've done to pay the price for our sin. We afresh and anew affirm and acknowledge Jesus, you are Savior and you are Lord over our lives. We pray that you would bring a, a fresh 
understanding, a fresh awe, a fresh response to who you are to us this Christmas time. And Lord, we think of those that are around us that we love, that we spend time with, that we care about, Lord, that don't know you. Lord, we pray that you would help them this Christmas season, bring people across their path. Lord, let it be that our testimony and our witness would be one that would draw hearts close to you. Let it be that those that are around us, that are broken, that are hurting, that are in darkness, that don't know you, may they come to know you this Christmas time. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.